0: Okay, continue. How's it going, everyone? Back with another podcast episode, season two, episode four. Today, I have Chip Helm, which is a number one national best-selling author and speaker. Chip has written two books: Bigger Than Sales and Everyday Sales Wisdom for Your Life and Career. Chip, Chip is currently a national sales manager at Crook Medical where he has been for the past 35 years. So Chip, starting with the first question, could you give us a little bit of a background on yourself?
1: Uh, What's the background? Well, I never wanted to get into sales. Um, 30 plus years ago, my goal was to be an orthodontist like my father. So I played football, basketball, baseball growing up, and I went to Indiana University and I wanted to be a dentist. And uh, I had a goal and that's why I teach everyone. You've got to have a goal. You've got to put something down on paper. So uh, I wanted so badly to be just like my father. And that's another thing. What happens is you never know when things all of a sudden turn upside down in 24 hours. So I'm three years into dental school. And even though I have a good hand-eye coordination for uh, athletics, I, don't ha- I didn't have that small hand motor skills for dentistry. Uh, what the hell am I going to do now? And so I had great mentors. Uh, one was here, Bill Armstrong here at, in Bloomington, Indiana, he used to be head of the IU Foundation and, and another mentor. And we can speak to mentors for an hour uh, how important they are. So next thing I know, I got into what's called sales. And uh, sales, I never took a, a, a class for sales. I didn't know there was even a, what was sales. And so obviously that led to you know, 35 years in the, in the medical industry for working for a multi-billion-dollar company, uh, and I've been very fortunate and been very blessed. And then, obviously, you, know, you made mention. I mean, I, I just wanted to give back. I wanted to have a legacy and and outbirth uh, a couple of books. And it's all about the premise of sales. It's kind of funny because you know everyone's in sales, but that that, that most people, your generation and older, don't believe that. They believe if I'm in IT or if I'm in HR or if I'm an entrepreneur or if I'm in marketing or if I'm uh, the waitress down the street or if I'm an orthopedic surgeon, I'm not in sales. And that's, that's a myth. You are in sales. Everyone, everyone in any career, whatever they do in life is in sales. And so that's sales. So that's probably why I wrote the books. Just, I mean, there really are life lessons that you learn both personally and professionally and should adhere to.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting, and I loved when I saw on your LinkedIn. I th- actually it was on your book review on Amazon, and it said everyone's in sales, like you just stated. And I that's nothing, none of the less of the truth. I, I completely agree with that. It it just makes sense that sales. I mean, we don't even think about it, but like relationship building, all this different stuff goes into the sales and that's why I, i'm actually i am or, ordering your book so i'm definitely going to read about that when i saw that i was very interested in that moving on to the next question how did you land your job at crook medical because i saw you've been there for 35 plus years now
1: well i got i got lucky i mean i was at the right place at the right time um, you know i had a college degree at a biology degree i had sciences behind me hopefully i was a good communicator that's what i was told i you know, when I was in dental school, I used to have lines around the corner to come in to see me. Uh, when I was in my third year of clinical work, it's because of the way I communicated and, and uh, talked to people. I think that was a gift uh, from God that I didn't realize I had. Uh, probably I do have or did have the gift of gab. You know, you can always say that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a gift of gab. It's just can you tailor it? Can you uh, learn how to listen? Can you learn other know skill sets so um you know i just got an opportunity got a chance my mentors are the one that opened the door that's why i believe in mentors open the door for interviewing and so the next thing i know it i went through it i and i had a position Uh, and uh you know i've never looked back i've never had a job in my 35 years so um you know from that standpoint
0: wow that's awesome right time right place Moving on to the next question, what makes someone stand out from the crowd? Again, with the topic being personal, uh, personal branding, what, what just makes you stand out from the rest?
1: You, the person. That, that it's, it's as simple as that. You can, you know, we all sell widgets every day. Or we sell concepts, but more importantly, we sell ourselves. And we separate ourselves from everybody else. We, how we develop that personal brand, who we are. Uh, how we treat people, uh, you know, do we do it with softness and kindness or with a fist? So I really go back to it. Uh, it's the person. It's, it's that's how, you know, everyone has the same grades. Everyone usually has the same similar skills. Uh, my dad taught me a golden rule or a lesson that, you know, I'm an orthodontist. I mean, everybody, most people, you know, um, have the same skills I do. Most surgeons would say the same thing. Most professional people have very uh, equal peers out there, but where they separate themselves is I call it their bedside manner, the way they treat people, how they treat their employees, how they treat their colleagues, how they treat their assistants, you know, and, and that's where you separate yourself. No ifs and buts about it.
0: Interesting. This question kind of goes into what you were just explaining, but how do you define our brand specifically? Would you just say it's just about the same thing, like the things you do in action rather than just putting it on a piece of paper?
1: Well, first of all, you got to understand what is a brand and everyone uh, thinks it's a company brand. You know, when you think of branding out there, Pepsi, Cola, all these companies, it's not what it is. It really hones down to your personal brand. And, and unfortunately, I didn't realize what a personal brand was 30 plus years. I wish I did. I'd never developed it. I didn't understand it. That's the key. When you go, you know, you, you've you got to acknowledge that you have a personal brand, number one. You've got to sit down and, and you've got to write a personal brand. Before you can do any of that, the best trick, the best thing that you can do to, to begin your career, I don't care what area you're in your career, it could be. 30 years into your career and you still need to do it is you need to sit down with your best friend, sit down with a mentor, sit down with a, um, you know, your your, pa- your parents and get across with each other and pull out a piece of paper and put a line in the middle and tell me about myself. Tell me what you think about me. Put the five things when it comes to mind about me, whether or not I'm nice, maybe it's something, you know, maybe I'm, I, I can be kind of mean at times. I don't know, whatever it is, You'd be amazed what they think of you is not what you think of yourself. It does never align. We love it ourselves. People are human beings who love ourselves. I love myself, I'm sure you love yourself. So we always think we're better than we are. But until someone you trust can tell you really what it looks like, that's how you develop. That's how you bring out your, your personal brand. I think it's one of the most important things that you can do uh, as you move through any kind of career and at different points of your career, because we all, uh, go up the ladder, but we all fall too. You have this curve, you go up and down with, with your brands throughout, uh, throughout your lifetime.
0: That's, that's awesome. I'm honestly shocked. I never even thought about that. How you said we view ourselves a particular way when others view it a complete, possibly opposite way. But, um, I definitely have to try that sometime. That's a that's a very good point. Next question: How do you become an expert in your field?
1: It's very simple. I I guess I'm taking I'm giving you all the great things out of my books, but it's all not it doesn't matter. It's funny about these reads. Just to go back; these reads are anything what somebody did thirty years ago, and it won't be a different thirty years from now. It's just how you deliver the messages, and can your messages resonate with people? But uh, I I mean, it's very easy about becoming an expert. There's two things it's all about repetition, 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 and preparation, preparation, preparation. And and I, and I, you know, throughout this conversation, you may hear me repeat something over and over again. It's because I want you to remember it, because I want you to get to the point in your career that you can do it in your sleep. I mean, that's a real chipism. If you can get to a point where you're so good at something, you could do it in your sleep, and you don't have to think about it. It comes natural to you because your work ethic, because your preparation, and your and and you're repeating it over and over again to where you just fine tune it. You know, uh, that's how you become a, an expert.
0: Very interesting. So. Moving on to the next question, how do we boast our confidence? Because I know, at least in college, some people are getting into their fields and can be a little bit on low confidence. How do you boost
1: your confidence? Well, first of all, you gotta get on go back. First of all, you've got to, it's all about repetition, repetition, and preparation. The more you work at your skill, the more you um, try, the more that you become. See, you only become as confident as you feel you can do what you can do better than anybody else. So that's how the confidence builds. The more that you try, the more that you practice. Practice makes perfect, it does. The more that you do the little things right. You know, I'll give you a couple of things. The the two things that I would say right now that will uh, boost your confidence is one, is to be on time is to be early. It's not to be late. If I call an eight o'clock meeting, you should be there at seven thirty. On everything from your personal part of your life and your professional part of your life. The second thing, if you follow up with people, following up plus following through is equal to success. If you do what you say you're going to do, and you do it when you say you're going to do it, you will count your money in, in the Bahamas. You, I, I, money will come. So that's how it builds confidence. If you are always following up with people and you do it with an urgency and you are always prepared and you re- and you work at your practice and you're always on uh, early to things in life, I don't care what it is from a basketball game to a meeting, you can't turn a light bulb on personally and professionally. Either you are, or you're not. And you better choose to be on that side where um, you do follow up and you are, are early for any appointment, any meeting, and you've got to take this seriously and you've got to take it, you know, uh, honestly, I, I don't, uh, this stuff about, just remember something, when people tell you they're too busy or they got too many meetings or, uh, you know, be, you know two, two weeks before they get back to you, it's because they choose not to get back to you. No one is that busy no one is that busy i've been in 35 years and i cannot get back to people but people choose not to do that
0: yeah that's very interesting and like you said to be early is to be on time to be on time is to be late my dad's said that i don't know how many times i put it through my head but that is an awesome quote next question as sales is everywhere, even if you're not in the sales fee- uh, field, how do we network?
1: Well, first of all, you are, everyone's in a sales field. So that, you got to get that out of your language. Everyone, I don't care who you talk to, my son's an orthopedic surgeon, he wants is going to be an orthopedic surgeon, and he wants, how you think he's going to get customers? So we are all in that networking sales field. The problem is, is when people use the word sales, they think it's a dirty name in a sense, I think it's a used car salesman or something. I think I'm the only one who's ever put sales and humility in a a book. I mean, actually as a, you know, on my cover of my book. I mean, no one thinks about sales and humility. So now let's go back to networking. Well, you know, talk about pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, you have to be a shark. I believe it will come back. I, I call it the great white shark. When you go to a meeting, you go to an event, you go to a bar, I don't care where you are. You have a plan of who you want to see. You put your hand out. You you go back and forth and you rotate between finding out everyone everyone you can see there and put your hand out. Obviously it's going to come back to putting your hand out. But my point was pre-COVID, it was like a shark and a circle eight where you'd constantly go and meet people and you've got to be the one to be proactive, not reactive. It doesn't change the virtual world right now. Virtual selling, a virtual network, is just part of your toolbox now, all right? So how I'm talking to you on Zoom calls the same way that I would talk to you. How I would use, if we were on video right now and using my hand to talk, I'm still gonna engage you. I'm still gonna get to know who you are. Uh, a little trick is, you know, put together a book, a little address book or a little book. And when you meet someone, put a, come home at nighttime and put a couple things about that person in your book. Hey, this is uh, Hunter Beal, and there's a couple things about him or whatever, and that's how you remember people. It's all about remembering people and knowing who they are since the next in six months when you see them again. You can say, hey, Hunter, I remember this and this this. What? You remember talking to me six months ago? It's because you keep kind of a list, kind of a, your own little list, because that's what networking is all about, is remembering someone by name, by just a couple little Tidbits about that person and by their face. That's
0: that's very interesting. I was reading a book called Lynchpin, How to Be Indispensable," and it talked about that. Uh, that was actually a big key point in the book, talking about remembering people's names because it goes a long distance. And like you said, I, I mean, I never I heard it in the book, but I didn't know really how to practice it. So now, hearing you know, having a book and writing down the name and a couple stuff you learned about them, I think is very helpful and I'm definitely gonna start doing that. The next question, how do we create a positive
1: impact? You create a positive uh, impact for, first of all, falling in love with your job. Like I said, you can only create a positive impact and make an impact on life if you're happy with what you're doing. You know, If you're so happy and so passionate and you have to have that passion, you won't let yourself fail. So remember that if you're so passionate, you love something so much, you know, it's kind of like you, Hunter, do you have a girlfriend?
0: I do not. No.
1: Well, you know, I have a wife that I love. Okay. And I have a a pitter patter and, you know, we've been married 30 years and I still love her. Well, if you, if I'm able to bring that over to my career, if, if I can find the same kind of love, sometimes my wife thinks I, you know, I love my job more than her, but that's the point is, is if you find that kind of love in your professional life like you have in your personal life, you know, the sky's the limit. So I think that that's how you create a positive impact. The second thing is, is what you choose to do for your life. You know, I, I chose to go into an industry that impacted patients that, you know, I wouldn't have been very good at selling jewelry or selling some sort of retail or something like that. I needed to do something that impacted, that, that changed someone's life, that improved their life. Um, so, you know, medical devices that we do improve people's lives, can save people's lives. So that's what I had to do because I felt that was a major impact on mankind. Interesting. Love that. What you choose. And then how you look at life and the positiveness is created by how much you love what you do. Then you will automatically create a positive impact because you won't let yourself fail. So you will impact people overall. Interesting. Love that. Moving on to the
0: next question. How do we ready ourselves for failure?
1: Push yourself because you will fail. And what I mean by that is, is, uh, if you don't get out and try if you don't go out and take the baby steps and again you got to be proactive not reactive you can't you can't be um, afraid of failing because you know you can read all the great books you want all the great people in the world and all the great mentors that will tell you they went through numerous failures before they found success but they kept trying they kept getting back up off the ground and dusting themselves off and try it again. Plus, they don't, you can't take things personally. I used to do that a lot when I was your age. You've got to set yourself apart, mentalize things, start separating things away, compartmentalize things. I can't say it enough because that's how you're successful. If you bring in everything that's going on around you into what you're trying to get accomplished some days day by day, you're gonna be all over the place. So can you stop and compartmentalize it and do what you need to do here, even though you may have a problem over here. You you know, you don't wanna mix the two together. And so that that's, that, that's how I think uh, you know, it should work like that.
0: Gotcha. Then how, how do we leave a good legacy, say when we, after work, we retire, how do we leave a good legacy it, for everyone else?
1: It's simple. You know, example, I you know, I, I work in a medical industry for 35 years. That's not my legacy, Hunter, at all. My legacy is my children. My legacy is my friends. My legacy is my wife. My legacy is, you know, you know the, the books that I've left behind to share. Uh, that's what legacy is all about. Legacy is, is very simple. Treat people like you want to be treated. You know, treat people with honor and kindness and respect. Be a humbled uh, lead and, and with humility and, and be a servant leader and think about others first, not yourself all the time. Don't get wrapped. That's what, that's what legacy is all about. Do you think on my tombstone, and even though know, I'm going to get cremated, I think anyway, you think I want to say where I worked for a living or what I did? Of course not. I want someone to say he was a good friend or a better husband or a decent father or, you know, or or helped do other things. It it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It matters, you know, how you treat people and how you work with people. And and, uh, that's what makes the world go around is the kindness. And we need more of that and humility and the humbleness and, you know, the soft skills. You know, I read a thing the other day by some famous guy. I disagree with him. Uh, I forget it's one of those guys that's on LinkedIn all the time. You would probably, uh, if you said his name, he says, oh, there is no such thing as soft skills. I disagree completely with that. I believe it's more than just being a human being. He calls it, you know, just a human being type of thing. No, soft skills is, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it to people. I think the choice of words and your tone and your voice you know, have a lot to do with how you work with people and, you know, and how you move forward. So that's what I think uh, a legacy is all about.
0: Gotcha. Did that person happen to be named Gary Vaynerchuk? Possibly No,
1: Simon, uh, Simon something.
0: Oh, uh, Simon Schneck or something yeah, like yes, that. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. I've read his you
1: book and said, I disagree, I know he's famous, I don't care. I know whatever, but I agree. I believe that's the problem right now that I see uh, across all industries. And I uh, just across with people that um, you you can get a lot done with uh, uh, your softness of yourself and your compassion, your empathy, your sympathy, uh, all wrapped into one. So I believe there is such a thing as called soft skills.
0: Absolutely. What are some tips you have for people getting ready for uh, graduating college? Cause I know most of my audience is in college that listens to my podcast.
1: Well, I mean, you got to trade these, you got as I, as I teach a lot in my books, about interviewing skills, I, I've seen my pet peeves about interviewing. I mean, if you're going to interview, you got to know what the company is all about the company. And you got to know what the widget they want you to sell or the concept they want you to sell. I see interviewing processes that are terrible. They're not prepared. 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 So that is one thing. The other thing is you gotta be, you got to be honest and you got to be transparent. And, you, and you've got to be yourself. And, you know, there's nothing more that people can read through you. You know and stuff like that but I I just don't think that people that they uh, your generation today uh, our writing skills are terrible our communication skills are terrible right now uh, I I don't, I don't I know if I saw a resume that had a, a problem with it or a cover letter um, the the grammar and stuff is is bad and the communication everyone's so used to texting and messaging you've got to understand how i mean hopefully the virtual world has showed you how to use the phone better how to create emails more better and more efficiently uh and text messages and you know but but and pick up the phone pick up no one no one in your generation another generation sorry to make anyone on this podcast upset but i'm very honest and transparent what you see is what you get You may not like everything I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna tell you everything I tell you and I say in the last 30 minutes. I've been there, done there and taken the test. And I I hate that when people are what I call podium speakers, they get up and tell you something, but they've never gone through it. They've never experienced it. It's just what they read in a book or what their friend told me. But but I think that's what I'm looking, I mean that that people should learn as they come out. Uh, And the first thing is that myth uh, because you are themselves. So you better know how to build relationships and communicate, but communication has got to increase. I mean, I understand because I have a daughter graduate of vet school, does not like to get on a phone. The phone is a powerful, powerful tool, because most of the time that no one interprets the emails the right way. No one interprets the text message the right way. Uh, they, unless you're telling someone you love them and they're the best thing since sliced bread the way that's a midwestern term they're going to interpret that email differently than somebody else and so the best thing to do is two things a pick up the phone immediately and get it resolved or b if you don't want to pick up the phone immediately then wait 24 hours take a deep breath before you respond to any text message or email that you seem to have a little bit of indifference to
0: Interesting. I, I just finished reading a book called Crucial Conversations, and it talked about that uh, the first step is to make sure it's safe. So you don't get in an argument, rather you start a dialogue with one another. I find that that um, you said that very interesting. Second to last question, do you have a favorite quote that you like?
1: I don't know if I have a favorite quote, because I probably paraphrase a lot of quotes over the things, but But I have just I have a favorite thing that, you know, that I paraphrase it that I think Teddy Roosevelt said in a way. I mean, it's very interesting because a lot of people go through life and they accumulate uh, the quote unquote enemies. And the way he said, I I can't remember exactly how he said about enemies, but the bottom line is it's actually You know, you have a better character and a better man the more enemies you have. Now, think about that. If you have a higher character and you're a better person, a better man, the more enemies you have, you're thinking, oh, what the hell is that talking about? Because enemies, I mean, that's not a good thing. Well, if you think about it and really think about it, really go into it deeply, what he's talking about is that you stood up to them. You know, we can't please everyone. Not everyone's going to like you in this world, and yes, you are actually, without realizing, going to have enemies. But that's a, that's not a bad thing. I think that's what I want to get across. That can be a good thing. That means you stood up for yourself. That means you stood ground. Maybe that means you said your piece. That means maybe you were honest and transparent. So it's not a bad thing to have enemies uh, in your life. I know that's you know it goes against the norm. I guess that's what Teddy Roosevelt basically was saying you know, it's probably more, better than you think uh, to have uh, enemies. And then most people would tell you that they would like to have one enemy in their life.
0: So. Interesting. Yeah. When you said that quote, I was like, huh, I try to think because I knew there was I'm a deeper meaning into it. Yeah, and I
1: wasn't and I, I didn't get that exactly right. Quote, yeah, is, uh, it's, uh, I paraphrase it. So please, somebody out there don't don't quote it, quote it exactly like from tape. That's what basically it said
0: said gotcha yeah at first i was like huh but like that makes sense when you stand up for yourself more you have more when you
1: stand up when you don't care what other that's the problem we all i'm, I'm just as bad that we are all care, care too much about what other people think sometimes you know if people really really know you and really understand you and really stand by you you're going to be fine you can you got to stop worrying that's where you know, sometimes it doesn't matter as long as you do things with the right heart and the right intent. Do things in life with the right heart and the right intent.
0: Makes sense. Last question. Do you have any book or podcast recommendations?
1: I mean, there's a lot of podcasts. And, I mean, I think podcasts have come out of the weeds. So I don't really have, wow. Wow you know get on this. I was just on a medical sales podcast recently. I think I think some of these people that are trying to do this to share sales processes and experiences. I think you can find them what was called medical sales podcast and whatever. I think they're out there if you really want to have more an engaging conversations, because actually I've been invited on a couple of them. And uh, no, I, I'm not you know and I'm not a promoter of anything in a sense of the word, but I'll be honest with you in the last couple of years you know, I'm going to and tell you. I think I think your listeners, I think your generation, among others, you ought to take a look at the uh, the reads I I wrote. I, you know, I'm very. I think that these reads that I wrote, the bigger than sales are, they're airplane reads. They're not going to take you more. Everyone's called me. They take about two hours to read, but they're resources. I didn't design them. I didn't write them with the information at the end of each chapter for you to do something you know, work your plan, plan your work. So I feel like it's something that you don't just put down and say, well, I read Chip's books. Like you're talking about, I just got done reading this book. And I just got done reading this book. I'm hoping that bigger than sales, how humility and relationships build career success and everyday sales wisdom They kind of complement each other. They're short reads or airplane reads. I'm hoping it's a resource you look back. And you go back to, man, I had a bad day. I didn't treat this person. Or this is what he says: how to work on relationship building, or how to do this. Or here's some of his as Remember, the sun does get up the next day. I used to wear a positive band. So that's what I mean. I believe. So yeah, I. You know what? I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a promoter of anything. Usually, I'm the one that sits in the background. But I have to say, you know, Hunter, after all this time, I, I would recommend those. And and there's no financial interest for me. You know, if you remember something? You never sell those many books unless you uh, unless you're famous or something like that. It just has been nice. It's led me to a lot of uh, speaking engagements, uh, consulting. I love to consult. Um, you know, for different things, individuals and companies, and just led me to a lot of opportunities. So it's not about the books. I hope that what I've written and shared could be more helpful to, you know. Okay. So I'd say my books would probably hit more home from 18 to 30. Yeah. Or 35. But then again, I've had people from all walks of the world, pick up the books at age 40, age 50, you know, and, uh, couldn't get something out of it. So.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. I'm definitely going to have to pick up a book. I, I heard something by, uh, who was it? Bill Gates and Warren Buffett I know very successful people and they said oh. some of the things that are slept on are books people don't read as much anymore so i definitely hey, they don't right.
1: no they don't i mean that's why my books on amazon are in audio they're also in ebooks but, you're, but that's why and if you ever want to write a book or you have friends who write a book and you know we can almost have a class over it on zoom but the bottom line is i want to keep them short and sweet and I use the KISS method, keep it simple stupid or keep it simple and sweet. And you know, like I said, there's nothing in there that probably someone else hadn't said 30 years ago, but there's nothing in here that won't be the same thing 30 years from today. Cause I believe it's all about people. And I believe for the most part when you can is face to face. Now, I'm not gonna tell you that on this call that we're going more virtual, okay? So all I'm going to tell you is that this needs to be part of your toolbox. You know, how, how to do Zooms, how to talk, the tone, how to pick up the phone, how to write different emails down, creative emails and text messages, and how to use that as part of your toolbox. But I don't believe, okay, you used to go 90-10, maybe 80-20, maybe it's going to be down to 70-30, but I still believe it will be a lot more face-to-face one way or the other as it comes back but we're, we're gonna have more virtual than we ever have. So you better be good at it. You better be able to pick up the phone or you better be able to get on a Zoom call and you better be able to engage and network on Zoom and build a relationship on a Zoom. And your honesty and your transparency and your genuineness should still come through and uh, through a Zoom as it does in, in person. So you don't really alter your techniques or you don't really change who you are virtually you just fine tune it. You just kind of massage it. You just kind of adhere to the fact that I can't be right in front of you, but I'm still going to impact you, Hunter, just as much.
0: Uh, Absolutely.
1: It's how I say it, or it's what I want to say, or with the passion I'm going to use. People don't get on these things. People across Zoom calls, I've been very few Zoom calls in my last few years that I've ever been on a Zoom call that you can really hear the passion that people think about that they're more monotone or they're just kind of you know doing a job you know just this is what i'm here to do today this is what i want to tell you about but but uh but if you don't like it and you don't whatever but if you don't start if you don't hear that voice raise a little bit or change a little bit or their hands still move and you know when they want to talk or they uh, you know that's that that's how you set yourself apart make a difference
0: wow yeah this this podcast in of itself i've i've learned so much i'm sure all the listens listeners out there are very appreciative of all the wisdom you've given and again chip helm's book is bigger than sales and everyday sales wisdom for your life and career. I'll keep that in the podcast description down below a link for you guys. Just go straight to the Amazon link and you guys can get the book yourself. Before we head out, Chip, is there any last things or word of words of wisdom you want to give out to the audience?
1: Well, that's a great, uh, that's a great last. Let me give me uh, cause obviously I haven't written anything down. No, I really didn't look at your questions. I'm a very impromptu speaker, very much as I feel at the time. Um, I think the biggest thing I probably leave is, with is, is everyone needs to, what happens is, is some people have a plan A, or they don't have a plan A, and, and, and I believe you need a goal in life, okay? So I'm, a, I'm going to challenge everyone on that listens to this podcast who's 18, I don't care 19, 20, 22, I don't care what age you are, have a plan, okay? Come out, come up with a plan. I don't care what that is. It doesn't matter what it is, but have a plan. But here's what's different than I am than someone else. So and I'll give you an example. I have three children. One is a orthopedic resident uh, starting July 1st. Uh, Number two, my daughter's graduated from vet school in May. Number three, my younger one finished playing football for Ball State and is going to dental school. What I'm trying to tell you, they all had a plan A. They never, there was never a plan B. And I don't believe that if you work hard enough and you care enough and you have passion enough and you want to do it well enough, quit this stuff about, well, if I don't do this, then i'll just go to my plan b or c no there should not be a plan b and plan c there should be a plan a plan a plan a plan a and and if you wanted that badly enough you're going to get there i'm not saying that back in the back in the back of your mind maybe there's a little bit of a okay you know life does always uh you know throws curveballs occasionally but that's not what i'm trying to say it's kind of like to be on time to be early or get back with people urgently. Well, I'm gonna tell you, stick with a plan A and go after that plan A and don't let anyone else tell you any differently. Because look what happened. I have three for three of my children and I can tell you one thing, they only had a plan A, there was no plan B. If my son didn't get into dental school, if my other son didn't get into medical school, and my daughter didn't get into vet school, there was no plan B. They had no freaking idea what they were gonna do with their life. There you go.
0: That's that's awesome. I've heard the saying, I want to fall forwards, not backwards. I shouldn't have a plan B. I want to fall forward.
1: Well, so tell you, most people probably, Hunter, are going to tell you that that's a first thing out of their mouth. Well, there's my, here's what I want to do, but if I can't do that. I got this behind it. What? But then you'll never get to plan. You'll never succeed with plan A if you're already thinking about failure or thinking about that you can't, you know, uh i'm not joking with you i'm telling you that we've had tears in my family we we weren't always whatever meaning that uh you know we were wondering plan a was going to come to fruition but you know what our you know you just never know but you know what they never 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 gave up on their dream i mean you've got to love what you want to do i got lucky 35 years ago. Plus, If you ever get a passion for what you love to do? You'll never have a job in your life. And, and, and they, and I think about this, they pay me every day for this. I get paid for something I'm doing that I just can jump up and down. There's nothing better.
0: Yeah. I I've heard from, what's that?
1: There's nothing better to have that kind of feeling.
0: Yeah, I, I read from a book, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, and he said, never work a day in your life, which I mean, obviously, you're going to work technically, but it doesn't feel like work if you do something you're passionate about. Very much like that. Again, thanks, Chip, for being on the podcast. I really Pleasure. enjoyed this. I learned a lot myself, and I'm sure the audience huh. learned a lot more.
1: Well, Hunter, keep up the good work. I, I challenge you. You're smart. You're witty. You've got a way about you. I think what you're doing the podcast is unbelievable. I, I commend you. I commend you. Don't uh, don't let it go. Uh, uh, keep around it and keep going because uh, I think you have a future and a lot of different things. Whatever you want to do.
0: I appreciate that very much, Chip. It means a lot coming from you.
1: And if you ever need help or um, additional want to have additional conversations, you know where to reach me. I'd be more than happy to talk to you outside of this or come back on another podcast someday to do a, a whole different version about personal branding or about something specific like, I don't know, leadership with humility or something that really would narrow it down.
0: Awesome. Love to hear it. No All right. Thank you, Chip, for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Hunter.